Welcome to the Grace at a Glance podcast from Grace Church of Linnets and Grace Creative. We are a Jesus church where the gospel is central, where we love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. Thanks for joining us. Tim. Um, Tim, if you did not know, he had a heart attack in California. Um, He did have a successful uh, quadruple bypass surgery on Monday, so that was successful. Um, They were trying to stabilize his blood pressure throughout the week, but we just wanted to let you know that yesterday we got a great text from um, Pastor Dan, who's his son, who's out there with him right now, and he said that uh, Tim is doing good, his humor has returned, and um, it's just great. And so they can feel all of the support and prayers, even though they are in California. So we just wanted to give you guys an update there. Uh, Another update, a more personal update from me, um, I'm Pastor Dave, if you did not know, I'm the youth pastor here at Grace Church. And uh, about two months ago, I was diagnosed with a vocal cyst, a cyst on my vocal cords, uh, which is uh, quite inhibitive for a guy who talks as much as I do. I have experienced so many people just praying and the support, uh, and I will let you guys be the judge on how my voice is doing after this sermon's over, so you can let me know. But I, I'll tell you what, it's been, uh, the Lord's been working, it's been awesome, so I just really, really appreciate all of the prayers and the support. Now, I was not always the mature veteran youth pastor who stands before you now. I know it's hard to believe, I've got 15 years of ministry experience in, Uh, But when I was young, I made a few mistakes, okay? And I'm going to share with you one of the mistakes that I made. Now, this is a judgment-free zone, okay? I need you to suspend judgment. But when I was young, I uh, had just graduated college, and I was uh, running a youth camp. This camp's name was Suncrest Camp, uh, and we would, all of our, our kids would go to this camp every year. Who's ever been to church camp? Who's been to church camp? Oh, that, lots of hands. I love church camp. I, like, I was um, just so deeply formed by everything that happened at church camp, this specific, specific Suncrest camp when I was young. And so I was able to be a counselor and then a director. And so then when I became a youth pastor, I took all my kids there. It was awesome. I had an idea one year that I really, wanted to, I really wanted to up the ante, okay? I really wanted to get kids excited. It was a junior high camp. I love junior hires. They're, they're so full of energy and vigor, and they're, they just, every idea you have, you're like, hey, kids, let's go play in the dirt. They're like, okay. You know, like, they will, they'll just do absolutely anything. Junior hires just love it. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to create this week-long experience for the camp, and so I had this great idea that I thought that what I was going to, I was going to have these, uh, like this invading army, now we was all made up, but this invading army was going to be coming against 
our camp, okay? So the camp's name was Suncrest, and I created these villains, and their names were the Mooncrest Men, okay? And they were gonna come in, and I was telling the kids, no, you need to be vigilant, okay? You need to be vigilant, because we need to protect our camp. We need to protect our house. We need to, and they were, the kids were instantly bought in, and I said, now you gotta be watching. We never know when Mooncrest is gonna come in. We played some videos, we did some stuff. And so, like, the kids are really, really into it. The kids got a little too into it, okay? And so one of my counselors came up to me and they said, Dave, we have a problem. I said, what's going on? She said, the kids are fashioning weapons. I said, like, what kind of weapon? She said, come see. And I go down onto the basketball court, and there's this kid. His name was CJ. And CJ, he's a Marine now, okay? And, but back then, in, like, sixth grade, this kid, he had, the only way I can describe it is a large trident, okay, that he was sharpening on the basketball court, so it had all these, you know, pointy sticks. I'm like, hey, buddy, no, no. And, and so I, I got up in front of the kids. I said, kids, the Mooncrest men can only be deterred by pillows. Only pillows, they're allergic to cotton, okay? Pillows, you know, or whatever's in your pillows, I don't even know, you know? I said, only pillows. Now, it was built, the whole plan was it was building to the end of camp, and so we were actually going to bring these Mooncrest men in, and the kids were gonna go get their pillows, and they were gonna defend their camp, and the Mooncrest men were gonna run away. So what I did was I go and I call a bunch of my friends who are youth pastors, okay? So they're all youth pastors. They all understand youth ministry. They're all trusted, you know, people. And so um, I call them up. I say, listen, because the kids can't know them. You know, they have to be the invading army, right? I said, okay, guys, I need your help. Can you help me with this big game that we're going to be playing? And they said, yeah, we're in. You know, we're in. They're all good friends of mine. Um, yeah, we're in. So they come in. It's Friday night. And uh, the, the kids are all like, uh, the kids are actually like asleep, you know, and I'm explaining what we're going to do. I said, okay, what's going to happen is I'm going to ring the bell and you guys are going to all be up here at like the entrance and you're going to have these pool noodles, okay, and um, you're going to, you know, try to like, you know, oh, we're coming against you with the pool noodles. And the kids are going to have their pillows and they're going to hit you and kick you out of the camp. And I had one of my friends and he was, he was intellectual, right? He was pretty smart. He goes, Hey, Dave, I have a question for you. I said, yeah. He said, there's six of us here. How many kids are at this camp? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And my, my, one, my, my co-director's like, there's 79. And he goes, those are not good odds. I said, you're going to be fine. They're junior hires. It's, what's the worst that could happen? What's the, what's the worst that could happen? So these kids, they knew what was coming. So it's, it's later, we ring the bell, the kids all wake up, and they're ready to go. They got their pillows. Like, they had, they, they had painted their faces, you know. They're like, we're going to defend this camp, we're going to defend this camp. And so we were like, we're trying to keep them in line, you know what I mean? Like, okay, wait, 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 wait. We had these six, you know, villains who are also my best friends in the world. They're up there. And it was in that moment, like, as the kids are, like, you know, chomping at the bit, I'm like, I might have made a mistake. I, I might have made a mistake. And I'm telling you, this scene was like the end of Avengers Endgame, you know? I mean, it was like all the kids are ready, everybody's coming, and then we charge Thanos, you know? And like we all go, 
and it was was a massacre, okay? It was an absolute massacre. These 79 kids just swarmed these youth pastors, and they're beating them with pillows. The one one kid had like tackled a guy, there's like seven kids on top, and I'm like trying, I'm like, no, this is my friend. They're like, help me, Dave, help me. And I'm like, I am so sorry, kids, you defeated them, you won, you know what I mean, trying to get away. Now, <laughs> funny, you know, but we have, we had this understanding, this idea that we had to protect our camp. We had to protect our camp, no matter the cost, no matter what would come against us, that there was an enemy outside that was coming to get in and break in and mess things up. And these kids, they, they rose to the occasion. I almost killed all of my friends. Uh, there's, the doctors say that they're going to make a full recovery, though, just so you know, okay? They're going to make a full recovery. But funny, crazy stuff. Now, if you would grab your Bibles and open the book of Matthew 16, Matthew 16, or Matthew, yeah, Matthew 16, and we're going to be starting with verse 13. Now, there's something going on here. This is a very, very intriguing passage, one of the most important passages of Scripture in all the Bible because this massive question is asked of the disciples, and we're going to see what's going on here. But there's something very, very intriguing, a little bit of a change of thought. If you've studied this passage, it's really intriguing. So we're going to dive in here. So I'm going to give you a second. Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. <clears throat> I love the sound of Bibles, pages. Turning, I love it. I'm, I could just listen to that like white noise. All right, Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he said to his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone he was the Messiah. Let's take a moment and pray right now. Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, Lord, I thank you for who you are. Lord, may we find our identity solely in you, Jesus. Lord, galvanize us. Lord, use us to further your kingdom. Ask us the tough questions. Give us the tough answers. You are worthy. In your precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So right here, we see that 
Jesus comes, he asks this question, this, this massive question that's asked of actually all of us. So when he was asking the disciples, really this, this question reverberates throughout all of history. Who do you say that I am? That is the question that's asked of every single person. Who do you say that Jesus is? And they start giving some of these answers, some of these popular answers that, you know, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets, you're all of these different things. You know, people say that, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are who you say you are. You are tr trustworthy, you are noble, you are pure, you are the Son of God. He's saying all of this, he's affirming this. And then right here, Jesus says something that's really intriguing. He says, yes, this is true. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now he Peter's name was, he, that was the moment that he changed his name from Simon to Peter, Cephas, Rock. But I don't think that this is actually about Peter. I think this is about the truth that Jesus is establishing. But he says, on this rock right here, there's some really intriguing things about Caesarea Philippi, that, that uh, the gates of hell, that there was this understanding that in that space, that there was a lot of pagan activity, a lot of uh, very negative stuff, uh, spiritual stuff that happened right there. And Jesus was saying, right here, okay, in this space, now this supernatural space, I am going to establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now when I was younger, I always thought, I, I thought of that pastor, when I thought of that pastor, I was like, wow, that is, like there's, you know, the church the church is, you know, Satan's always coming against the church, and we need to protect the church like we protected the camp, you know? It's Satan's coming against, it's like uh, in Lord of the Rings, the Battle of Helm's Deep, you know, they're all in Helm's Deep, and the orcs and the trolls, and everybody's coming against them, um, and, you know, they got to hold up in there. That's what I had thought, but you know what's really intriguing is that gates are not an offensive weapon. Gates are not an offensive weapon. Gates are defensive, right? Like you hide behind the gates. When the, when the attacking army, when the opposing army is coming against you, you fortify yourself within the structure and you try to, you, you pray that those gates are gonna hold out and that you're able to stay and you're gonna stay within there. There's a little bit of a, a paradigm shift here. Jesus is telling them, we are the invading army. Jesus, Jesus is coming to knock down the gates of hell and ultimately take back what's rightfully his. But it's, we, we're going on the offensive. We're coming to take back what was lost. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is coming to knock down the gates of hell. There was uh, a time, this was about two, three years ago, I was reading a book, okay? I read a lot of business books. I was a entrepreneur, I was m making t-shirts, doing things, and uh, speaking at conferences, all this different stuff, and so I was trying to read all these business books and all these things about solidifying uh, your vision and your goals and all this different stuff. I was reading this one book, and it was really, it was good, it was excellent. There was a, 
an exercise that you were supposed to do. Uh, it was like the culmination of this book. What you were supposed to do is you were supposed to write your own obituary, okay? A little, you know, a little morbid, I get it. You're supposed to write your own obituary and then you would read, and it was your desired obituary, okay? But you would read that every morning when you would wake up and have your morning coffee or you would do whatever, so that would, it would solidify your goals and aspirations for the day that you would remember what you were supposed to do and it would keep you on track. And it was, it was really kind of cool. I've, I've written a few obituaries and I know that they're, one, they're very, very hard to write because you want to be clear, concise, but you also want to honor the person you're writing it for and all these different things. But it's really important because it's like the last word on you. It's all of your goals, all of your dreams, all of your aspirations, all those things, you know, um, here it is. This is what you did, right? And so it was, it, it was a good exercise. And so I read this book, and I'm like, okay, it's time to sit down and write my obituary. What things do I hope that I accomplish? And so, you know, there's a, like a bunch of things. I've got a, all sorts of different goals, you know. And I'm like, you know, I, I wrote down, uh, you know, uh, some different stuff. And I, like I've written, I wrote a comic book and I did some things. And it's like, oh, Dave this, and he's a loving husband. And I'm telling you, I'm in this moment. I'm just going through the motions with this. I'm writing it down. And I keep coming back to like, no, this isn't good. No, this isn't. What's the fundamental element? What's the fundamental element? What do I want people to say? At the end of everything, what do I want people to say? What do I want the statement to be? And I wrote this down. David Hardy partnered with Jesus to rob souls from the kingdom of hell. I thought, wow, it's not subtle. <laughs> well, I couldn't get away from that. Because I was thinking about all of the things that like, I, I wanted to do and all of these goals and aspirations and stuff. It's like, hey, there's, there's good in those, but those are not ultimate good. That I've got like this, this thing that I can't not do. And I just, I've got I've to give the energy to that. I've got to give the energy to say, there are people who are lost and going to hell. And I've got to do whatever it takes to partner with Jesus to change that destiny. I gotta do whatever it takes. I gotta put my resources there. I gotta put everything into that basket because that's actually what ultimately matters. We get caught up in so many frivolous things, frivolous good things, but we can never lose sight. In our culture, and this is a very intriguing thing, in our culture, we it's like a cultural narrative that we believe. We believe falsely that everybody is destined for heaven if you do some bad things that knock you off course that you shouldn't have done, but they're real bad things. 
then you're going to hell. But it's always other people, right? It's always other people who are going to hell or other people's kids who are going to hell. And then, like, if we can, if we can kind of stay on course and we can be somewhat moralistic and check the boxes and do all these different things, then, like, we're going to make it because everybody makes it. Who doesn't get to go to heaven, right? But actually, that's not the case. That's not the case. The reality is that every single man, woman, and child who's ever been born because of original sin, because of Adam and Eve's sin, they, you start out apart from God. And this is, this is hard to get, but Satan has ownership over you. Satan is the Lord of the dead and we all die. Satan has that apart from Jesus. And so, every single person, every single person who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, understand that their destiny is hell. Right? Jesus came to change their destiny. And so, and, and Jesus' death on the cross where he paid the debt for sin and death so that we could have a right relationship with God, it cost him much. It cost him everything. But understand that Jesus, when he died on the cross, that was the most important event in the history of mankind. Jesus was the most important person who ever lived. Understand that it's interesting like how we get like off topic and all these different things and like you ask who Jesus was. There, do you understand? Go type it into Google or whatnot. What's the biggest religion in the world? Christianity. How many people? It's like two point some billion people. They're, Jesus was massively, incredibly, monumentally important and anybody who tries to diminish that is fooling themselves. Is absolutely fooling themselves. And Jesus comes into human history and he dies on the cross to pay the debt for sin and he goes to take the keys of death in Hades. Like he went down not defeated but as a victor took the, the keys of death in Hades and now he reigns, he reigns and he is going forth. Like his kingdom is advancing. It's exciting. It's incredibly exciting. When we talk about spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare is incredibly important. But I don't know, sometimes we get caught up in like, you know, what should we do? Should we do like these big like marches and these big things and, you know, um, you know incantations and all of this different stuff? No, spiritual worship, warfare is relationship evangelism. That's what I believe that is, that the most important thing that we can do is to be in our relationships with the people that we are rubbing shoulders with on a daily basis, that we are ultimately pointing them to Jesus. That we are creatively pointing them to Jesus. That you've got friends, I hope, that you're playing the long game with. 
That somebody says, are they a Christian? You say, not yet. Not yet. Do they know Jesus? Not yet. It's not, it's not a necessarily a no. It's a not yet because Jesus is working and you can see how that's happening. Baptism is spiritual warfare. Baptism, I, I believe there, there's the culmination right there. Like what we did right here. Baptism, somebody coming and they were making a statement. I was once dead in my sins, but now I give my believing loyalty. I, give, I, I put my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. I was, you know, you're baptized, dead, you're raised alive, the Christ. Like this is it. I'm making this public declaration of my faith in Jesus. And we invested it. Why do we, we get excited about that? Because we can see, like you can watch people going from death to life. It's so awesome to see. And we need to put our investments there. Like, I mean, there's all sorts of, again, good things and good places that we can put time, but the ultimate thing is souls saved for the kingdom. That's the ultimate thing. That's the ultimate good. And that's where I want to put, I want to put my resources in the best spiritual ROI that I have. Return on investment, the best that I have. It was amazing. Like, I, I love baptism because it's just it's that declaration time. And I'll never forget this. Like, it's seared into my brain. There was one time we had a baptism service at my church. We had all sorts, you know, kids were signing up. There was adults and kids and everything, but it was just a lot of people. It was a big baptismal service. First kid comes up, and he says, I gave my life to Jesus at Suncrest Camp, and I want to follow him. Everybody claps, baptize him. Next kid comes up, says, I gave my life to Jesus at Suncrest Camp. Everybody claps, baptize. Third kid comes up, gave my life to Jesus. And I'm like, Everybody's shocked, and I'm and and you know baptizing, baptizing, and it's just awesome, and the and the, you know the clapping and the and the joy in the moment, and I just I stood there like dumbfounded, really, somewhat speechless. I looked at people. I said, "Are you catching a theme here? Why do you take these kids to camp? Why are you, you trying to do, why, why, why do you invest so much? Why have you given all of your energies, all of your stuff? Why have adult leaders given sacrificially? Why is the church, you know, scholarship kids to get there? Why have we done absolutely anything to get kids away into this space? Because they're hearing from the Lord that transformation is happening and that this is the culmination moment and that this is Jesus going forth and that this is Jesus, like this is, this is it. I'm seeing it. I get to be a part of this get to be a part of this. One of, any, any form of Christianity that divorces itself from mission and from the Great Commission needs to understand that you need to bring it back. It's not just about being it's just not about right learning and all these things. It's about going and taking that knowledge and doing the Great Commission, Matthew 28. These are the last words that Jesus gives his disciples. Therefore, they're probably pretty important. Matthew 28, starting with verse 18. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go forth, like, take everything, every piece in part, and let's go kick down the gates of hell and take back that which was lost. Let's go steal Satan's stuff gleefully. Gleefully. We'll come up with systems, we'll come up with game plans, we'll do stuff. Listen, there will be times when we will mess up, there will be times when whatever, I get that, but let's keep going forth, let's keep partnering with Jesus to kick down these gates and take back souls for the kingdom of God. We are not, as a people, called to fight against people. We're called to fight for people. We can get caught up in all sorts of stuff. There's all sorts of wars that we can participate in all over the place. But the true war, the true battle, is the battle for lost souls. The battle for your friends and your families. The people that you are coming in contact with every single day. Do you have something important enough to give to them? There was a gentleman who I was talking to from Lancaster County. He had a fantastic, fantastic testimony. Just some awesome stories of how God worked in his life. And I asked him, I said, after he'd given this big testimony, I said, how, how did you get saved? What was the moment that you got saved? He said, actually, God saved me in a tree stand. God saved me in a tree stand. I was just there and right there I knew that God was who he said he was, and he wanted me, and he saved me in his tree stand. He said, now he said this, these are his words, and, I, and it was so shocking to me. He said, you know, my whole life, I worked on these farms with these great godly men, church-going men of Lancaster County. He said, some are in and some are out, I'd do that. He said, you know, not one of them shared the gospel with me. That'll preach. That one hit me. I said, oh my goodness. Like I can go to church. I can be part of growth groups. I can be here at Grace doing all sorts of things. But if the most important thing in my life is Jesus, and I have people who coming into my world 
spending lots of time with me, and I have a person who says, I never heard it. I never heard the gospel. I never heard the good news. Oh my goodness. I've missed it. I might have missed it for all sorts of good things and good reasons, but I've missed it. We can't miss it, Grace Church. Guys are doing a great job. I'm serious, you're doing a great job. I've, I get to hear all sorts of awesome stories and testimonies in staff meetings and all the different stuff. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep getting out there. Let's be creative. I want you to be incredibly creative. I want you to view the you know, evangelism, taking the gospel out in, in, in the same ways that you view endeavors, massive endeavors in your life. Big endeavors, yeah, they're, they're good. But don't lose sight of it. Don't lose sight of it. I got a kid right now who I led to Jesus, who I baptized, who's running Suncrest Camp this weekend, right now, probably preaching out there The joy that that brings me, money can't buy that. Money can't buy that. Gold and silver, it passes away. But lives changed for the kingdom, oh, that's eternal. That's eternal. Grace Church, let's partner with Jesus. The kickdown the gates of hell, and take back what is rightfully his. Hosting for this podcast has been brought to you by Anchor from Spotify. Our intro and outro song is Creative Mind by Ben Sound. From all of us here at Grace Church, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.